0: On the Virtual Bible Study tonight, we've got a really important topic that we want to study. It's important for every local congregation of people. We want to talk about elders, and specifically, we want to talk about the qualification of elders. We've got a lot of ground to cover, many areas to talk about, all very important, and we look forward to your participation as we...
1: discussion tonight by calling 931-381-4567 or by emailing your questions or comments from collegeview.com. We hope you'll take out your Bibles and study along with us as we begin an exciting study of God's Word on this edition of the Virtual Bible Study.
0: And this is the Virtual Bible Study for Thursday night, May the 2nd. 2019. Thanks for joining us on the Virtual Bible Study. My name is Greg Gwynn. For those of you who are regular viewers of the Virtual Bible Study, you see that I'm not sitting in my normal seat. I'm sitting in the seat that Jacob usually occupies. He's out of pocket tonight, so I'm trying to run the board. We already had a little bit of dead air there. Uh, We'll try to do better as we uh, go to our breaks uh, as the program progresses. Sitting in my chair is my good friend Monty Overton. Monty, welcome to the Virtual Bible Study. Thank you, Greg. It's good to be here. And behind the board is our friend Kyle Barnes. Kyle has become our consistent board operator, and we appreciate your work, Kyle. Thanks for being with us tonight. Yeah, it's good to be here. All right. So as we said, uh, we, we've got an important topic. We want to talk about the qualifications of elders. Some of you who are listening probably know you, because you may have seen on our sermon feed on on, a, on our other YouTube channel, we've been discussing the qualification of elders here at College U. Presently, at this present moment, we don't have Elders at College View, and we're seeking to try to remedy that and get back to a situation where we have elders to oversee our work, and so we have been studying on Sunday nights the qualifications of elders. You may well know that we are streaming our services, uh, all of our Bible studies, all of our worship services are being streamed live, and they are on our other YouTube channel at College View Livestream. You can go there and watch live when our services are being conducted, or you can go there later and look at all of those Bible studies and worship services, the sermons that are preached in an archived form on our YouTube channel. You can find the link to that YouTube channel at collegeview.com, our home page. There's a link there, or you can search for us on YouTube at College View live stream. Now, remember, that's a different... Uh, channel, then you're watching tonight on the Virtual Bible Study. We have two different channels, and, and that one is uh, for our services. This one that you're watching right now, the Virtual Bible Study on YouTube, is, is just for this program. So you can avail yourself of those resources, but you may understand the importance of this, especially to us at the present moment, because we're engaged in a process whereby we hope that we'll be able to appoint elders here at College View. That being the case, we want to look at the qualifications, on our program tonight, and you may be able to give us some insights that will help us in doing that. Monty, we think it really is an important topic. It is a very important topic because when Paul
2: said, and I think it was Titus he sent, he wanted him to ordain elders in every church because he said there was things there that were lacking. And so here at College you and that department at least were lacking, and that really needs to be corrected.
0: Titus 1, verse 5. <laughs> You're exactly right. Paul told Titus, appoint elders, uh, take care of things that are are. Lacking things that were not fully developed in those local churches where they were working. God's plan for a local congregation, although it is certainly scriptural to exist without elders when that's not a possibility, it is God's desire and plan in His great wisdom that churches be overseen by elders. In introducing the sermons recently, I've suggested this is, this is really an important job search. It's more important than a major corporation uh, searching for a new ceo this job search is more important than that money
2: well the ceo of a corporation is over is going to be qualified to oversee something that has temporal earthly consequences but the oversight of the church is under elders is has permanent eternal consequences so it's really important and it's really necessary that we have qualified people for the position and it would be better off to not have elders than to have unqualified ones exactly
0: right but just like just like a corporation would do if they were seeking a top top executive mm-hmm. to oversee their work, they would have re- job requirements. Mm-hmm. They they'd have things they would be looking for in a man to fill that that top ranking position. They'd want to know something about his education, they want to know something about his job experience and so forth and so on. Well, God has laid that out for us in regards to elders over local congregations. He's mm-hmm. told us what we should be looking for when we look for men to fill these important roles.
2: And since he's told us, then that's the qualities that we have to look for, nothing more, nothing less, exactly what, those things.
0: What you might have preferred doesn't matter. In other words,
2: yeah, My preferences are irrelevant because they're just mine. God said what his preferences are, and his are exactly, and extremely, and only the relevant ones. You
0: might have said, I'd like a guy who's a crack shot with a flintlock rifle that 's not there, and it 's not in the Bible, uh, so you can't, you can 't require that uh, god 's wisdom is better than yours in that matter in every matter <laughs> exactly right Kyle, any thoughts Never. all right all right, uh, before we jump into these qualifications and and i I broke them out into a set of twenty three I, I combined some. But I've got 23 listings that I sent out earlier today to our update list. And I'm really asking for just very brief responses to what these qualifications are because we'll have to move pretty quickly to get through them all. But before we dive into number one, I want to remind you about something really big that's coming up next week. Next Thursday night, Lord willing, May the 9th, we're going to have a debate on the virtual Bible study. Kent Bailey from Calhoun, uh, Georgia, will be debating Bob Roberson from Johnson City, Tennessee, on the question of instrumental music in worship to God. Uh we've talked about that lots of times on the virtual Bible study, but this time we're not going to do the talking, we're going to let two men take the opposite positions. Kent Bailey will be saying he does not think they're authorized. Bob Roberson will be saying he thinks they are, and we'll listen to their best arguments as they as, as they give a little back and forth. It will be a friendly, open Bible discussion, and we want to encourage you to mark your counters, maybe put a reminder and alarm on your smartphone so that you will be sure to be online with us next Thursday night at, at 8 o'clock Central Time. That will be 9 o'clock Eastern Time for the virtual Bible study next Thursday night. Don't, don't miss that. I think you'll really appreciate what those two men have to say on that important subject. All right, so we're going to dive into the discussion of the qualifications of elders. And the very first one seems almost like we wouldn't even have to mention it. It is that he is to be a man. In 1 Timothy 3 verse 1, this is a true saying, if a man desires the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work, a bishop must be blameless, and so on, the text goes. So if a man desires the office, you know, uh, some people might say that that, that terminology is just the generic man. Mm-hmm. In fact, in Titus 1, verses 5 and 6, uh, Paul says in Titus, if any be blameless, doesn't say any man, just says mm-hmm. if any. And so some have argued that this statement, a man is the generic man, a, a human, human sort yeah. of thing. It could be a man or a woman, which seems, uh, Kind of surprising, and I don't think it would even have ever been debated before, but in our modern day money, women have really been challenging the the idea of their role versus men's given roles in church
2: you know in denominations there's women who fill every role in the church, typically even roles that we would understand would be should only be filled by men that God had given men those responsibilities. But women are doing those things now, and so we can see they're stepped outside the pattern they found in the New Testament. So we need to just confine ourselves to what does the Bible say on the subject, and it
0: says man. Uh, I think you're right. You know, uh, in answer to that idea that this is just the generic terminology, mm-hmm. a man or anyone, uh, we know that he's talking about a male human being, mm-hmm. because it goes on, and, and uh, to say that he is to be the husband of one wife, both in 1 Timothy 3 and in Titus 1. It goes on to specify that this man is the husband of one wife. We know he's talking about a male there.
2: And that must have been important because God's put it in the New
0: Testament twice. Exactly right. So again, it's not that we think that uh, God values men more than he values women. Nobody ever said that. I don't think anybody would take that position. Anybody who does is wrong if they do. It's just that God has assigned different roles to men and women. This is a role that God has assigned to men, and we have to accept that reality.
2: Well, you know, he, it, it, that's, it's that way in any endeavor that we engage in. Where I work, I have certain responsibilities that other people there don't have, Um They have responsibilities that I don't have. So we've each got our responsibilities, roles that are given to us in the workforce or in other aspects of life so that God, the fact that God's given certain people certain responsibilities and other people other ones shouldn't be a surprise to us. It's not demeaning that I don't do some of the things that work and others do any more than it's not demeaning that a man has certain responsibilities and a woman has her certain responsibilities defined by God.
3: Exactly
0: right. Exactly right. Uh, We've got some emails. Kent in Georgia says, men to the exclusion of women. That's easy enough. Jared and Daniel respond. I think both are in Florida. Jared says, has to be a male. An elder holds a position of authority, so it can't be a woman. Also, he references husband of one wife. Has to be a man. And Daniel in Florida says, a man, a full-grown male human. Pretty straightforward. That's an easy one. You know, some of these are a little harder than others, uh, Monty. But that one is not too difficult. It, to us, it seems simple <laughs> enough. Anyway, but pretty straightforward. All right. Now, the next thing on the list is that a man needs to desire the office. Uh, is a true saying. First Timothy three verses one and two. If a man desires the office of a bishop, he desireth a good work. Um, Some argue that that's not really a qualification, just a statement of fact. He needs to desire it. I'm I'm not going to quibble whether that should be in a list of qualifications or not. But I think it's certainly a characteristic that the man needs. He has to be willing, desirous of doing the good work that he can do. You know, I may not be qualified to be an elder, but I, I need to... I need to be desirous of doing what I can in the kingdom of God. It may not be that I'm an elder, uh, uh, but I should be desirous of doing what I can, and we're looking for that kind of a person who Mm -hmm. has that sort of a commitment.
2: Well, when we think about it as a commitment, uh, like talking about the CEO of a corporation, if I didn't desire the job but got stuck in it anyway, I'm probably not going to do too good a job at it because it's not really what I want to be doing I really had in mind being doing something else. And so God understands that concept in us because he built us
0: that way. So he says we need to desire the job. I think there's a difference on on that point of a man who covets the job yeah. versus a man who desires to do what he can. Whatever we kingdom. can to serve God. Yeah. I've known some men, you probably have too, who just so they so desperately wanted that position. It was like a some sort of badge of honor that they mm-hmm. thought they could achieve. Well that's not the guy we're looking for, but we do want a guy who is committed to do what he can, do all that he can to serve God mm-hmm. right. Kyle? You know, well, <clears throat> the new American standard says aspire
3: someone well, i I think we all have aspirations we want to achieve the ability or the have the merits to have this position like I think every man should aspire to achieve or to have the qualifications of an elder, but it doesn't mean you. if you be one, yeah. but I think we, we should all aspire to meet those qualifications.
0: And it's been, I think you're right, and it's been pointed out so many times that so many of these qualities, not all, but so many of them are qualifications that ought to describe any Christian anyway. So I think you're exactly right. Alright, so, a man who desires the office, uh, Daniel says he wants the job for the reason to do the job. I think that's important. It's, it's not a title. It's not a honorary position it's a job it's a pretty intense job i think it's good to to recognize that jared says he has to personally want the job can't be pressured into taking it it's a tough job and not one to be taken on grudgingly uh i think he he references first peter chapter five verse two and i think there uh peter suggests that he, he should not take it by compulsion. He should not feel forced into it. He does it willingly. Let me read that in first Peter five verse two to the elders. Peter says, feed the flock of God, which is among you, taking the oversight thereof, not by constraint, but willingly, not for filthy lucre, but of a ready mind. So he's not constrained. He's willing mm-hmm. to, to do the work. Thank you, Jared. And Kent says, a desire to accept the required responsibilities of the work involved and willingness to complete the task. I think those are all really good. Um, Let's grab one more before we go to a break. On our list, the third one was that a man was to be blameless. 1 Timothy 3 uh, says that if any desire the office of bishop, he desires a good work, a bishop must be blameless. Titus 1, verse 6 says, if any be blameless. Mike, what's the idea of blamelessness suggest to you?
2: When I think of blameless, I think of the kind of guy... That uh, he has great moral character. That his common manner of life is, the, is a person that is—he's trying to pattern himself after the way God would have him to be. That he's not. You don't.
0: Oh, so you're wanting a guy who's sinlessly perfect?
2: Well, no one is sinlessly perfect. If that was the case, only <laughs> Jesus could have been an elder, and he wasn't married, so he wasn't qualified <laughs> exactly, either. Right. So we're not talking about that, but we are but talking that's about what a person. But some people would yeah. try to imply. But we are talking about a person who's manner of life is such that if he did have an accusation against him, you'd say, no, not that guy, because the way he conducts himself isn't that way. You
0: know, you're really going to have to prove it. The New American Standard Version says above reproach. Yeah. And to me, that suggests the idea if you there's two extremes. So if you heard something bad about some individuals, you would your reaction to that would be I'm not terribly surprised uh, that he would do that in the case of this guy, if you heard some outlandish accusation about him you say i don't i can't believe that that's mm-hmm. not the kind of person he is yeah. he's above reproach that's what we're looking for there and and the king james uses the word blameless and so uh we're looking for that kind of a, of a individual who is blameless or above reproach that brings us to break time we're going to take a break when we come back from this break we're going to continue our discussion the next one on our list is Husband of one wife. There's some controversy about that, Monty. So we'll talk about husband of one wife when we come back from this break. Stay tuned for the Virtual Bible Study.
1: Don't touch that mouse. The Virtual Bible Study will be back right after this.
0: us in his word we realize that we're fallible and cannot direct our own steps as a result what we think or feel doesn't really matter all that matters is what god has said so that's what the virtual bible study is all about it's pretty simple isn't it thanks again for joining us tonight and we'll hope you'll make plans to join us every thursday night for the virtual bible study
2: hello i'm nick law from jennings florida i love to listen to the virtual bible study and hear god's word taught every thursday night
0: Use your Internet
1: connection for something good. Listen to the Virtual Bible Study every week. Now, back to the program.
0: And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study as we continue to discuss the qualifications of elders. We've talked about a man who desires the office and who is blameless or above reproach. Brings us to number four on the update list that I sent out earlier. We've kind of combined some of these qualifications and tried to to sort of group them together. Husband of one wife is the next qualification that we want to consider. And there's a little bit of controversy about that. Obviously, a man has to be married, Monty. If he's a husband of one wife, then he, he's a married man. That's correct. So that that's a, an easy first consideration. Um, he's, he's married to a woman, the husband of one wife. Yeah. He's not married to a man, which seems like, again, a crazy thing to have to say. But, but in our society now, we have to yeah. discuss that. Uh, He's he's not a polygamist. He's the husband of one, one wife. wife. That's pretty easy. All right, now here's here's the more challenging question. What about a man who was married, but he's, his wife is dead? He's a widower now. Could he be an elder? What do you think about
2: that? Well, if he's a widower and has not remarried, he's not the husband of any wife. Okay. Uh, I know some people that I've known in the past that when their spouse dies, they never remarry because they're so was so bound so tightly emotionally to them that they felt like they're still that person's spouse, and that's fine if that's their choice to do. But technically, legally, by definition of the words, they're not the mar- they're not married to anybody. They're not the husband of anybody if their wife has died. Yeah. And they're not remarried. Well, I've
0: heard some people say, well, if, if his wife is dead, he's still he's still The husband of that wife, though she's dead.
2: No, because every marriage ceremony I ever heard, there was a phrase in there similar to until death do us part or something like that. The marriage commitment is only a lifelong commitment. It's not an eternal commitment.
0: And true. I think you're exactly right. What would be the case if that guy married again? Would he then have two wives? If yeah. he's still married to the dead wife, and he marries another wife, now he's a polygamist, he's yeah. got two wives?
2: So he's still not qualified.
0: Uh, so, but I don't think anybody <laughs> takes that position. But again, I think there's a really important verb tense here in these verses. Notice, 1 Timothy 3, beginning verse 1, this is a true saying, If a man desire the office of a bishop, he desireth the good work. A bishop then must be blameless. And notice that, that verb would carry on to the subsequent qualification. Mm-hmm. He must be the husband of one wife. It not, he, he, he could have been, or he was. It is he must be the husband of one wife. And so uh, that qualifications require that he be presently married. Uh, now that brings up the question: What if? What about that widower guy who? His first wife died, and he's remarried, he's scripturally remarried mm-hmm. to a second wife. Is he qualified?
2: He is, the, at that point, the husband of one he wife. He
0: He must be the husband of one wife. He is, right?
2: I would understand it to I, be that I way. I think so,
0: too. What about, now here's one that people are a little more sensitive about. What about a man who was scripturally divorced and remarried to another wife?
2: Okay, when he became scripturally divorced, he was no longer married to anybody. No, not married, not bound, not anything in relation to this woman anymore. If he remarries scripturally to, to an eligible marriage partner, then he has become the husband of one wife again. He, the other one's not his wife anymore.
0: He only true. has one. I think that's true. The, the, the phrase "the husband of one wife" literally is a man, uh, uh, a one woman man, or one woman's husband. Mm-hmm. He's a, he's a devoted married man. Devoted to his one scriptural wife. wife yeah. Whether that's the first one he was ever married to, or uh, uh, he his first wife died and he married another, or his first wife uh sinned and he put her away scripturally and he married he's he is a he is the husband of one wife. He is one woman's man. I I think that's pretty straightforward. Let's see what our emailers said. uh uh, Kent says, one who is married and such marriage is according to the, what the New Testament teaches, a one-woman man. Let it also be stressed that less than one fails to meet the qualifications. So he's got to be married. He's got to have one. he uh, have got to be scripturally married to a woman. Uh, let's see. Uh, Jared says, has to be lawfully married to one woman. Uh, and Daniel says, uh, currently married to one woman, uh, that may be a little bit. I mean, that's certainly a true statement, but we, we would qualify that a little bit more. Scripturally married to one woman, mm-hmm. so that's I, again. Some people get a little little testy about that qualification, but I think that one's pretty straightforward. come
3: in the chat room, Dwight uh, says a man can be a widower, then remarry as long as it's scriptural, he can
0: be an elder. I think that's, that's right. right. I, th- I agree with you, Dwight. Exactly right. Okay, let's let's. Move on. The next one, number five on the list that we sent out today, is he. He, he is. He rules well his own family. The text says at First Timothy three verse five, uh, if uh, uh, one that ruleth well his own house, and goes on to say, for if a man know not how to rule his own house, how shall he take care of the church of God? Uh, Kent says the head of the home. As a faithful Christian, so he's the head of his family. Jared says, has managed his home and family well, demonstrating good leadership skills, is respected and obeyed by his wife and children. Daniel says, active leader in the life of his family. Um, The next one that we're going to go to will be more about children, where it says having faithful children. But this one I I think suggests the idea he rules well his own house he's a this is the kind of terminology mine, that you'd use about a manager or a mm-hmm. superintendent of, in a job uh he he, he man so how's he managing his business if he can't manage his own business how do we expect that he would be able to manage God's business
2: and that's something that God had wrote down for us i mean he gave us a qualifier on what is he talking about about ruling his own family well Because he says, if he can't rule his own family well, how can he rule the church of God? It should be, I would think, a simpler ordeal to rule your family than it will be to lead and rule over in the church. I think so. A bunch of different people that are adults as well as children. All different backgrounds. Backgrounds and personalities. That seems to me it would be a much greater challenge. So he's put that in there. He needs to
0: have some experience ruling and leading people well. Uh, I think that's exactly right. So he's demonstrating his sort of management skills Mm -hmm. with his own family. If his family is in disarray, he's not the guy we're looking for Mm -hmm. in the job. All right. So let's go quickly to the next one. Having faithful children. Titus one, verse six says, having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. First, uh, let's see, uh, first Timothy chapter three. I'm going back on the same one here. Uh, Having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. That's what I want. Titus 1, verse 6. Having faithful children, not accused of riot or unruly. The question about faithful children comes up. First of all, he has to have children. Yes. All right? I mean, a first easy observation is that he has to have children. That brings up the question, Money, can he have just one? Well,
2: when I was young... Where I attended church, that was a stickler, and everybody said, "Oh, it's plural; it has to be more than one." But as I've become older and studied this more, I've come to the conclusion that the way the, the language is constructed and used,
0: uh, it, it can mean just one child. Okay, I believe. Uh, I think. I think in the Bible that terminology is used the same way we use it. If mm-hmm. if 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 you were to talk to a man who had one child, or maybe or maybe he's filling out an application. And the application asked, do you have children? How would he answer that? He wouldn't put no if he, he has put, a child. He would put yes. Mm-hmm. His answer, like, do you have children? His answer would be yes. Because we know that the plural includes the singular mm-hmm. in the way we use language. And I think we can prove easily in the scriptures that the Bible uses that terminology the same way. Jesus said, Jesus was quoting the law of Moses, Matthew 22, verse 23. Moses said, if a man die having no children... His brother shall marry his wife and raise up seed to his brother. What if the guy had one child? Then he has seed, and it's not necessary to make that arrangement. The law of Moses had that provision because of land inheritance Mm -hmm. and so forth. And in fact, in Deuteronomy, Jesus was quoting Moses from Deuteronomy 25, verse 5. If brethren dwell together and one of them die having no child the wife of the of the dead shall not marry without unto a stranger her husband's brother shall go in unto her and take her to him to wife and perform the duty of a husband's brother unto her notice the interchangeable use mm-hmm. Jesus said if he has no children the law of Moses actually said if he had if he had no child they're they're using terminology there the same way we do mm-hmm. and there's other arguments there's there's some other really good arguments that are made about that but i think one child Fulfills the requirement of having children. Mm-hmm. Now, would you like him to have more than one? Money.
2: I think it would probably be, in my opinion or judgment of the matter, a, a better thing if he
0: had more than one. What would you like him to have? A dozen. Well, I don't know if I'd wish that on anybody. <laughs> <laughs> so, but but see what I'm saying is we could have you know a personal preference. I mm-hmm. think he'd be more experienced in in matters if he had more than one child. Well. You know, the guy who has just one child has some unique experiences too. Yeah. But what we're doing when we say I think he I think he he learns better or has more experience with multiple children is that we're sort of supplanting our own opinion in there versus what the te- text just says, and, and that's that's dangerous ground. Yeah, the Bible
2: talks about not going beyond what's given, and it says having faithful children. And if our understanding of the language means that can be one, then he's qualified. Uh, Whether we would prefer him to have several or whatever is just our preference and it's not what's in the text.
0: Yeah. Now, he has to have believing children or faithful children. Mm -hmm. And I'm not, just for sake of time, we're not going to go into an argument to prove, but I think it's easily proved that the word faithful children, when it says having faithful children, is talking about. Christians. Yes. He has children who are Christians. If, you, if we need to prove that more thoroughly, we can do that. But he has to have faithful children. And then that leads us to the big question that often comes up. What if one of his children... So let's say here's here's a guy who's got four children. They're all Christians, but one of them becomes unfaithful. The, it, does it necessarily disqualify him?
2: I would say no, because just like we just talked about how one child represents children, that we, the way that language is constructed, to be consistent and logical about it, I think we would have to say the same thing here, that while it would be unfortunate if he has a child that's fallen away, uh, he still has faithful children. If he has, you know, like you said, there's four of them and only one's fallen away, one, he still has faithful children. Yeah.
0: Now, with, going back to the idea of ruling his own house well i believe that i i i sort of take the position that you, you these things need to be judged on a case by case basis mm-hmm. if that one child that he had fell away immediately upon his just as soon as he stepped out his parents door and went out on his own and he never darkened the church door ever again then i would say that maybe reflects on the on his parenting skills yeah more so than if some years later that child fell away, may not reflect on his parenting skills. So I think you're going to have to judge that. It, it, it might be. I guess my position would be that one out of four have fallen away. That might be, in my opinion, a disqualifier in the case of a certain man. Yeah. And maybe not in the case of a different man, depending on the scenarios.
2: Yeah. I, I think we all we know of multiple cases of people that had children that – you know, they they turned 18, they went off to college and immediately became unfaithful. Yeah. Um, I think that's a reflection on that uh, man. But we also know people that have children that they've gone off, they've got married, they've lived I knew under their own don't household don't for a long time and fall then away in fell 40s. away. I knew yeah. a
0: guy who he was even a preacher and he fell away in his 40s. But his father felt that that disqualified him. Mm -hmm. I didn't, but his father felt that that disqualified him. So that's. But I think
2: that older that person's been gone a while is more of a a reflection on the circumstances that's developed in his life later, rather than on his initial training.
0: But having said all that, if that forty-something-year-old son who fell away. Was his only child. Then he no longer has faithful and that, children. Then he would he would be disqualified because he does not then have faithful children, right? right. And that's still a present tense requirement. Yeah. It's still a present tense requirement. All right. Kent says the children of the home must be faithful Christians. Jared takes a few more kids, the better. He says his children must be faithful Christians needs a plurality of children. We talked about that. I would disagree with Jared just slightly on that. I don't think we can demand that. We may prefer it, but I don't think we can demand it. The more children he has successfully raised, the more his leadership ability have been exercised and demonstrated. I well, would agree with that I would in agree a way. with that. Would, but, but again, don't forget that the guy who has one child has some unique experience in raising an only child too. So
2: again, But, but we, if we're going to say it has to be multiple children then how many does it have to be i mean how many is enough you know because yeah, yeah. you said a I minute mean, ago a dozen well it's too is good? Is two good Four well, better four is better than a dozen is
0: even better Wonderful. let's get 20 of them or yeah, something yeah. i mean where do we draw yeah, the line i think when we
2: get beyond what the bible says then we've we've got out we're outside the authority we have to do
0: daniel says having faithful children trustworthy and believing we got anything in the chat room
3: Kyle. Yeah. See, Dwight earlier said uh, there are multiple errors in the scriptures that mention children as singular. Lo- Sorry for the lack of verses at work. No Bible handy. It says, uh, "Yeah, Daniel in Florida. You might have, he said he might, he might have children accused of dissipation or insubordination. One would do it." Uh, and uh, Dwight said, uh, "I have seen it where uh, a man has two children. Only one was able to believe because the second was mentally unstable. That man." <clears throat> I believe is qualified as long as one is a Christian.
0: Okay, I, I think that I and, would uh, agree with that. And Dwight has
3: a follow-up to this is due to actual physical and mental handicaps. Yeah, so.
0: yeah, I I could agree with that too. All right, that's a tough one, and and I want to I want to say to everybody, I mean, I'm sensitive to your considerations on that. I'm, I'm, all I know is to explain it the way I see it, but I think everybody you you gotta you gotta be conscious consciously. Uh, diligent in applying these principles, and you have got to be true to your conscience about that. And if you feel there must be a plurality of children, if you feel that they must all be Christians forevermore, then I, I think you got to you got to go with that. If that's your understanding, I would I would say, Monty, that's what we want, right? That'd
2: be our preference.
0: I, I, I would, if I wanted to state my preference, I'd want a guy with multiple children, and every one of them a a wonderful, exemplary, faithful Christian. For their whole life long. Yeah. Nobody, who would want otherwise? Yeah. But you know whether or not we can insist on that in every particular case, we've got to be careful about going beyond. Mm-hmm. So, all right, we're going to grab a break. When we come back, we're going to have to hurry on as we consider these qualifications of elders. Stick with us on the Virtual Bible Study.
1: You won't want to miss what we talk about next. The discussion continues right after these important messages.
4: Hi, I'm Lane Crawford, a member of the Collegeview Church of Christ. If you've never visited with the College View Church of Christ, you may be wondering what our worship services are like. One thing we have at every worship service is music. We believe God has commanded that music be a part of our worship, but something you may notice about our worship is that the music we have in our worship is different than the music used by many in the religious world today. The music we worship God with is strictly vocal. We don't believe God has commanded us to worship Him with instrumental music. Therefore, since we want God to approve of the worship we offer Him, we only worship in the way that He has specified. In Colossians 3.16, God instructs, Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly in all wisdom, teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Instructions like this in which only vocal music is commanded are the only instructions we can find in the New Testament. Since God didn't tell us that he wanted us to worship him with instrumental music, how can we be sure that he wants that kind of worship? We do know that if we worship God like he prescribed with vocal music, that he'll be happy with that kind of worship. We hope you'll make plans to visit with the College of Church of Christ to learn more about what our worship is like. We'd love to have you join us in worship of our Creator this Sunday at 9.30 a.m.
0: I am Minister Sanchez from Arica, Chile in South America.
4: And I love to
0: listen to the virtual Bible study. And this moment, I invite you to participate in this program, too. Gracias.
1: A streaming Bible study. Why didn't I think of that? Now back to the guys.
0: And we're back on the Virtual Bible Study as we continue to discuss the qualifications of elders. want to remind you that this program is brought to you by the College View Church of Christ in Columbia, Tennessee. find out more about us, you can go to our website, collegeview.com. College View is spelled funny. C-O-L-L-E-G-E-V-U-E, collegeview.com. You can find a map of our location. You can find the times of our services. You can find a lot of resources on our website at collegeview.com. We'd love to have you come and visit with us. want to remind you again about our uh, debate next Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. We'll we'll be having a mini-debate about the instrumental music question. We just had a little break uh, commercial there about that question, and we want to have it studied more thoroughly next Thursday night. Be sure to join us for that. We're going to continue with these qualifications of elders. We've got to fly, Monty. We're really going slow here. We've got to pick it up. The next one's an easy one. He's got to be vigilant. Uh, uh, the, The word vigilant is used... Uh, in Titus 1, verse 8, he, uh, he is, um, let's see, uh, where where am I going? First Timothy 3, 2, excuse me, First Timothy 3, 2, he's to be vigilant. Uh, some other translations use the word watchful. Monty, what do you think about vigilance or watchfulness? Well, uh, he,
2: he needs to be watchful because when we think of a, the elder is a shepherd over the flock. He's a shepherd over the members of the congregation. And that shepherd is supposed to be guiding the flock. Well, if you had a flock of sheep, you'd have to be watchful and paying attention to them so that if some of them start straying off, you can get them back with the flock and keep them from getting lost. And that same idea carries over to the job of an elder. He's supposed to be watching the sheep, paying attention to what's going on. When he sees somebody kind of veering off and not... Being as faithful they he needs to help them correct that and get back in order. He needs
0: to be perceptive, yeah. to what's going on. Exactly right. Kent says brave and committed to standing for truth. Uh, Jared says circumspect, watchful, on guard. They are shepherds watching for the souls of the congregation. Hebrews thirteen verse seventeen, and Daniel says watchful. And actively working, mm-hmm. I think that's good. He references Acts. Yeah, it's 20, an active thing. It's not a passive thing. This vigilance, I, I think, very good. Let's grab the next one. He's to be temperate. First uh, Timothy three. Excuse me. First. Excuse me. I'll get this right in a minute. Titus one, verse eight says that he is to be temperate. Uh, the word temperate there suggests the idea of self-disciplined or self-controlled. Mm-hmm. Uh, he, he's not the kind of person who can easily be thrown off. I mean, yeah. no, no, in other words, uh, he just he can lose control of himself in a, at the drop of a hat. He flies off the handle, so to speak. Yeah.
2: Uh, when I think of temperance, it's, it's the kind of person that doesn't just hit the ground running and don't pay any attention to where he's going. He's just blasting through the middle of things. But he's a more of a person of moderate temper, temperament to where he's he's still vigilant, he's watchful, He's passionate about it, but yet he still does things in moderation. He's in control of himself.
0: Yeah, uh, you know, when we're shooting guns, we sometimes mm-hmm. say "ready, aim, fire." Yeah. We don't want a guy who says "fire, aim, ready." <laughs> yeah. you know, he shoots first and asks questions later. Yeah. You know, that's not what we we don't want. That uh, Kent says an even-handed, controlled temperament. Jared says self mastery doesn't need someone else to keep him in check. Uh must be self controlled if they're going to lead by example. First Peter five verse three, really good observation. Controlled and not easily riled, says Daniel. I think those are all good. He's to be sober. Uh There's a couple of words, uh, and and we're going to get to one here in a minute, that refer to the the use of alcohol. But this word sober is not the word that refers to the consumption of alcohol. This is a word which means of sound mind and judgment. Mm -hmm. You know... He's the kind of guy that you'd like to ask for advice if you've got a, if you got an issue because you just value he's just he's just solid. He just gives yeah. he, he he analyzes things easily and carefully and gives and can give really good advice.
2: You know, I used to work with a fella who was the exact opposite of this kind of person. If you had something going on, uh the, the sort of the standing joke was go ask this guy and then whatever he tells you, do the opposite and it'll work out good. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And so he wasn't sober minded, he didn't have good judgment. And the elder needs to be the kind of person, because the elder is a leader of the congregation, I'm going to be asking advice of them from time to time. I'm going to be explaining this, whatever situation is going on in my life, and I need sound judgment to help guide me through this situation in the best way. And so that's what we want in an elder is somebody that's sober-minded, of good judgment, that can help us through difficult times.
0: Exactly right. Kent says, serious about the responsibilities of the work. Jared says, having a sound mind in control of his thinking, not easily swayed. Ephesians 4.14. Da- Daniel says, sound in mind and judgment. Very good, guys. I think those are all excellent. Uh, the next one. He's got to be of good behavior. That seems like that's so easily understood. Some of these are harder to understand mm. than others, but of good behavior. Um, we've, all, we've always heard the expression, "money actions speak louder than words. Yeah. And so this is the guy whose actions show that he, that he really believes what he says he believes. He, well, we've all known
2: people, especially you think of maybe children at times, then you'd say that child's not very well behaved. Well, we've known adults that weren't very well behaved. So, what we're looking for in an elder is a person that is well behaved. He's of good behavior. Uh, he's somebody I can follow his example in the way he lives his life
0: and acts. Exactly right. Uh, Kent says proper behavior regarding his lifestyle. He acts, but Jared says he acts appropriately to the situation. He does. He's not offensive. First uh, Corinthians 13, verse five. Jared says. You could you could say that he walks in wisdom, Colossians four verse five. Very good. Now the next one goes really closely with it. A, a good report of those who are without. So he's of good behavior, and even people who are not Christians, even mm-hmm. people who are not in the Lord's church, people who know him in the community are going to say he's a really good guy. Yeah. So uh, community opinion of him is is a factor. Uh, he's going to be he's going to be the leader of of the local congregation. He can't have a bad reputation. In the community, because that's going to really hurt the work of the local church. That's right. Uh, Kent says a good report with the community, within the community among non Christians, a man of honor and principle. Jared has earned a good reputation with those who are not Christians. He can't be two faced or a hypocrite. Daniel says good report of them without a result of good behavior. All right. Um, let's grab one more here. Um, the next one on the list is that he is to be given to hospitality, Bonnie, given to hospitality.
2: Well, his manner of life is the type of person that he's hospitable to the others. Uh, that may be he has them in his home and, and lodges them. It could be he helps them out in other ways. There's lots of ways to show hospitality, but he's the kind of person that's that's become his. It says given to it. That's his manner of life. He, you can count on him for that.
0: Exactly right. Uh You know, one of the things that's going to make his work successful is if he builds relationships Mm -hmm. with the people that he's overseeing. And hospitality is one of the ways that he's going to do that. It's not the only way, but it's one of the ways he's going to build that relationship. You know, it's a a selfless attitude, a sharing attitude, a, a willingness to be involved with people. He he needs that and, and so it's a stated requirement or qualification. Kent says literally one who has a love of strangers, a willingness to entertain guests. Jared says a willingness to provide for the physical needs of members of the congregation and also strangers, Hebrews thirteen two. Daniel says, open to help and provide for others. Uh, In the first century time frames, we've talked about this before, there was a need for traveling Christians especially to have safe, and moral places. The public inns were despicably immoral in those times, and it was very important for, especially traveling evangelists and so forth, to have good accommodations where they could be furthered in their trips and their work for preaching the gospel. That's not necessarily so much needed today, and some people have said, for that reason, we don't even have to worry about being hospitable today. I think that's a mistake. The command is still there because yeah. it's important for it. It was important for those reasons. We don't deny that, but it's important for other reasons, too.
2: And I don't believe in the first century that was the only way that they showed hospitality i don't either uh, that was a way but it wasn't the only way so it's not the only way that we would do it today
0: exactly right we're going to grab our last break we have a fly to the top there stick with us as we continue to talk about the qualifications of elders on the virtual bible study
1: did you hear what they just said call in during this break and let everyone know what you think the virtual bible study continues after this announcement Hi, I'm Wade Shelton. In 1 Peter 3.15 the Scripture says, But sanctify the Lord God in your hearts, and be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you with meekness and fear. You see, we believe here at College View that we should be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh. And I believe that we are dedicated to this cause. That's why we here at College View bring you the virtual Bible study each week. Our hope is that you will join us each week here on the Virtual Bible Study in hopes of strengthening your faith so that you will be ready always to give an answer to every man that asketh you a reason of the hope that is in you. Please join us here every Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study. I know that it's worth an hour of your time.
2: My name is Roger Tombs, and me and my wife love to listen to the Virtual Bible Study on Thursday nights
1: broadcasting around the world with truths that are out of this world. The Virtual Bible Study. Take it away, guys.
0: And we're back going to the top of the hour as we quickly discuss these qualifications for elders. Such an important job, and the qualifications are laid out very clearly for us in the Word of God. We need to make application of them as we look to appoint elders in local congregations. The next one on our list, the, the previous one was given to hospitality, and the next one is that he is to be a lover of good men. Titus 1 verse 8 says he's a lover of good men. Some translations leave off men, money, and just say, he's a lover of that which is good. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, he's just, he's just a man who has a passion for things that are right. Yeah. Uh, he, he, mm. he, and he loves it. He, he doesn't, he doesn't act out of obligation. He loves good men. He loves good things, and, and he, he, relishes the opportunity to be involved in such Given the event. choice, he's yeah. going to be
2: associated with exactly good things. Right.
0: Uh, uh, Kent says, one who loves that which is good, especially good people. Jared says, associates with and upholds godly individuals. Daniel says, simply a lover of good men, references 1 John 3, verse 16. Okay, thank you guys. Going quickly, he's got to be apt to teach. 1 Timothy 3, verse 2, he is apt to teach. I knew a guy... And someone said, he can't be an elder. He's never taught a- I've never known him to teach anything, money. He's never taught a class. I've never known him to teach an individual. I don't know. I've never known him to teach anything. And another guy responds, well, he's apt to any day now. Yeah. You know, sometimes we use that expression. He's apt to do it, meaning he, he, there's a possibility he could start doing it. Some- yeah.
2: That's not what this word means. Well, as we've talked about these qualifications being current, Right now, things that he does is apt to teach has to do with the aptitude for teaching. He has an ability to teach, uh, as we talked about in our class or in our sermon Sunday night. It's not necessarily a public speaking thing. He might have a really gift
0: for one-on-one Bible studies in the home. Exactly right. He doesn't. You know, some people say, I've never known him to teach an adult Bible class at, at the congregation. This doesn't say he has to teach the mm-hmm. Bible. It says he has to have an ability to teach. And different people have different abilities. Yeah. And as you say, he may, he may not be a good public speaker, but maybe he is excellent on a one-on-one, yeah. sitting around a kitchen table somewhere. So, But he has to have an ability. Obviously, an ability to teach would imply that he has a knowledge of the Scriptures.
2: You know, when we see in the New Testament, we have an example of the one-on-one with Philip when he went and spoke with the Ethiopian eunuch. It was a one-on-one conversation. He was able to convert the Very skillful. He'd he, he, he done good at that, and so that, you know, in some ways I might would prefer a person to have that as opposed to public speaking.
0: I think so. Uh, Kent says, one who has the ability to communicate the truth of God, the Word of God, one does not have to have the ability to be the best teacher or have the best ability in the local church to preach. However, one must be capable of doing so. Elders must have the ability in a positive way to affirm truth and in a negative way to oppose error. Jared says, able and prone to teach God's Word can explain and make application from the truth of the Scriptures. Daniel says, knows God's word and shares it. That's all good. And the next qualification goes right along with that. That is holding fast the faithful word. Titus 1, verse 9, holding fast the faithful word as he has been taught that he may be able, well, there's the aptitude. Mm -hmm. He is able by sound doctrine both to exhort and convince the gainsayer. So he he's a, a a good student, he has studied well, he has an ability to share what he knows. He he can exhort, that is he can strengthen mm-hmm. and edify those who are believers. He can convince the gainsayers. The gainsayers are the enemies of truth, they're the yeah. skeptics and the doubters, and he's skillful with the word to where he can he can convince even those who are enemies of truth. That's right. He can he can point out to him here's what the Bible says on the matter. All right, the next one surprisingly gives us uh, uh, some controversy in in our day, and that is that he is not given to wine. Uh, 1 Timothy 3, verse 3, apt to teach, not given to wine. Titus 1 verse 7 says the same thing, not given to wine. Some translations like the New American Standard Version Monty say he's not addicted mm-hmm. to wine. And that has led some people to the conclusion that that means just so long as he's not a drunk, not an alcoholic, he can drink, but he's not he's not addicted to wine.
2: Well, in the New Testament or in the Bible as a whole, we can see the word wine is used to reflect any beverage made from the fruit of the vine. Uh, whether it 's fresh grape juice, the Bible even refers to wine as the juice while it 's still in the grape hanging on the vine, so the context is going to have to tell us that, uh, but this not given to wine. we know that Paul told Timothy that he could take a little wine for his stomach's sake for a genuine medicinal purpose, so it 's not that this that the elder can 't ever have tasted anything that would be related to what might have been called wine, but he 's not addicted it 's not something it 's not his constant practice. To be consuming these things
0: right. I th- uh, my my explanation on that is that so I think this is probably describing the extreme he's not mm-hmm. addicted to wine, yeah. But it's a, it's a mistake of logic to argue that because the extreme is forbidden, mm-hmm. therefore the lesser is allowed.
2: It's not allowing him to be a social drinker right. or a regular and, and, consumer and, of alcohol. And
0: I wish we had lots of time to go into this uh, on, uh, on tonight's program, but we don't. There are programs in our archives describing this. But just uh, I, I just want to emphasize that point again. The prohibition of the extreme, he's not to be addicted to wine. The prohibition of the extreme does not logically allow something less mm-hmm. than the extreme, and and pursue that in your thinking, and then we could go to all the arguments for the scriptures, and I think maybe one of the very best ones, First 1 Peter five verse eight, be sober, mm-hmm. be vigilant. Your adversary, the devil, walketh about as a, a roaring lion, seeking whom he may devour. That word, sober, in First Timothy five verse eight. That word sober is the word means free from the influence of intoxicants. Yeah. It's the Greek word nepho, N-E-P-H-O, and it means free from the influence of intoxicants. The first sip I take of an alcoholic beverage, I'm under, I'm the, affected I'm, to I'm, some I'm under the influence of it. And this says I'm to be free of the influence. So again, When we
2: think about this, when people start trying to make the excuse, of, well, I can take some alcohol for medicinal purposes, in wine, the chemical that is actually medically beneficial to us is called resveratrol, and resveratrol is present in uh, completely alcohol-free grape juice. So we don't have to have alcohol to get the medicinal value out of the fruit of the vine.
0: Exactly right. Real quickly, Kent says, Abstaining from the use of alcoholic beverages, the same principle applies to an improper medical, non-medical usage of any drugs uh, Jared says doesn't use alcohol recreationally. The principle would apply to all other drugs as well. Daniel says not hooked on alcohol or other substances. He's not hooked, but also he doesn't even participate. I think we'd have to come to that Mm -hmm. conclusion as well. So he's not given to wine. Monty, he is to be no striker, not a brawler, not soon angry.
2: I think he's talking about the kind of person here that's not hot-tempered uh there's there's some people that you can go and you try to talk to them about something and they just snap your head off right at the beginning you just and the elder is supposed to be the kind of person as it's going to talk about here in a minute about being patient that you can go and you can present your question to them and and they're going to give you a straight answer in in a in a way that you can digest that information and use it uh he's not the person that's stirring up trouble he's not looking for problems he's He's the kind of person that's that's moderate about that.
0: All right, I think literally that expression could be translated "not ready with a blow." Yeah. In other words, a man you cross me just once and I'll just knock your head off. Yeah. You know that we, we, that's not the guy we want. Uh, Kent says not given. Uh, see, not given to, or or desiring to become involved, engaged in physical fighting. Has uh Jared has control of his temper? Won't react violently, doesn't resort to his fists to solve problems, uh, does not fight the way men, I think, uh, Daniel says, does not fight the way men fight. I think he means carnal men, the way carnal men fight. So he's not a striker, not a brawler, not soon angry. He is not greedy, a filthy lucre. He is not covetous. So this money, I think, pretty, pretty simply, we're going to have to go real quick, but here, He's not in it for the money, you no. know you think about an elder, he's going to be in a position to have access to the the collective funds of the local congregation. He could misuse those if he's a greedy man or a covetous man, one that couldn't be trusted, if he loves money. Uh, that would put him in a dire, uh, Well, it put temptation. him in a
2: contr- compromising position.
0: Yeah. And, and it put him in a place where he'd be yeah. really tempted. Uh, Kent says not being caught up with the love of money or riches. Uh, Jared says can't be bribed or bought, is content, would make the right choice, even if it might cost him financially. Not swayed by things, material things, says Daniel. I think those are all good. He's to be patient. Uh, uh, I see in the chat room, uh, that Dwight has said he is, patience is needed but cannot condone sin. He's not, he's not patient with sin. I think that's a, a good point. Uh, uh, Dwight says in the chat room, Kent says having a long suffering attitude, Jared says remains calm and even in, tr- calm and kind even in trying circumstances he is generous with his time. He's able to hold under a load and wait. Says Daniel. So he is patient. Not self-willed, Monty. He's not self-willed. It doesn't have to be my way or the highway. That's right. If If I can't get it my way, I'm just going to take my ball and go home. Yeah. No. Wrong guy. Uh Kent says, not being self-centered, insisting always on having his own way. Being self-willed is a sinful attitude. However, one must be strong-willed to stand for God's truth. So notice it says not. It doesn't say not strong-willed. It says not self-willed. Mm-hmm. And Kent makes that distinction. Uh, Jared says, not in it for me. Doesn't rely on what I think or how I feel to determine what is right. Uh, Daniel says he's led by another, namely he's led by God, Matthew 26, verse 39. Just, he is to be just, Kent says, a fair-minded individual. Mm -hmm. Jared says, concerned about doing the right things the right way, fair and upright. Daniel says, righteous. Impartial in the decisions he has to make. He's going to have to make some hard calls. He's going to have to make some hard decisions. And we want a guy who can do that in a fair way. Mm -hmm. He's, He's a man of justice. He's to be holy. The word holy suggests the idea of being set apart, dedicated, devoted to God. He's a holy individual. He understands that his life belongs to God. Kent says biblical holiness is being set apart by the gospel of Christ to a holy lifestyle centered upon the scriptures. Jared says pure, righteous and pure. Daniel says set apart from sin and for God. 1 Peter 1 verse 16 and the last one, not a novice. What about that money?
2: Well, in the we understand in the New Testament times when they had spiritual gifts, and one of those gifts was knowledge. And so a person could have this spiritual gift of knowledge and know all of the things being revealed to him. But it says not a novice lest he should boast. Or, or you know, we think of somebody getting the big head or getting out of hand. Uh, we want somebody that's mature in their scriptural and their Christian duties uh, that... So that if they're, when they are asked to be an elder, they're not going to get puffed up about it, but they can be still maintain level headedness okay. about it.
0: Kent says, not a new Christian. Jared says, needs to be experienced, confident, but also humble. Knows his Bible. He knows Satan's devices. He knows how to combat them. Not a novice. Jared, uh, Daniel says, well practiced. He's got some experience under mm-hmm. his belt, and that certainly is necessary. Boy, we had to fly. That's a lot to cover in one program. We've obviously just touched the hem of the garment on many of those qualifications, but all of them are important to think about. We just wanted to run through that list very quickly. Probably could and should spend more time on some of those in detail in a future edition of the Virtual Bible Study. We're just out of time, but we want to remind you again about our debate next Tuesday, or next Thursday night on the Virtual Bible Study, our regular time, eight o'clock Central, nine o'clock Eastern time. On the Virtual Bible Study, we're going to have a debate on the instrumental music in worship question. Kent Bailey from Calhoun, Georgia will debate. Bob Roberson from Johnson City, Tennessee. It should be very interesting, and we we want you not to miss that. So make a note. Uh, put a uh, reminder on your smartphone. Be sure to be online at our regular time next Thursday night, May the 9th, for the Virtual Bible t- Study. Until then, as Jacob always says, read and study your Bible. E- uh, read and study your Bible. Live by it every day. You'll never regret it. Thanks for listening to the Virtual Bible Study tonight.